We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. Thanks, as always, for listening, subscribing, downloading and sharing the Sooner Sports Podcast. As always, uh, regardless of how you got here, the best way to subscribe is to go to Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Every possible link that you need to consume podcasts is right there, including our archives. And if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to Jessica Cootie's interview with Lauren Chamberlain from last Wednesday, go do it. It's money. Today, our focus is softball. Coming up on the Sooner Sports Podcast, we'll get you ready for the Big 12 tournament this weekend. Kelly Clifton will join us, second-team All-Big 12 performer, should have been first-team. We'll talk about the balance between finals and softball. And OU hitting coach J.T. Gasso in his third season as a member of the Sooner coaching staff. We'll talk to J.T. about getting ready, not just for the Big 12 tournament, but the postseason as a whole, and also what's clicked the last couple of weeks for OU softball. And then coming up later on in the podcast, Sooner tennis boss Nick Kroll will join us. Now, OU softball is playing in Oklahoma City. OU baseball is in Orlando this weekend. But there is a major event on campus with the men's tennis team hosting a regional. It's a challenging regional. We'll talk to Nick Kroll about it coming up in just a bit. So let's get after it, shall we? A busy edition of the tailgate right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. All right, we start with Kaylee Clifton, standout second baseman for the Sooner softball team. Cece, please tell me I didn't catch you in the middle of preparing for a final. Um, 
I just have a few online things to do, but as far as in class, I'm done with that. All right. We're good. I was a little bit worried. We're at a good place. When I started bugging Andy Bean to get you on, I thought, I hope she's not in the middle of finals. But congratulations. Um, What a great season you had. How tough is this balance for you whenever you do have finals week and even dead week before that? And, oh, by the way, it just happens to come during the busiest time of the year for softball. It's right during the home stretch. How much of a challenge is that for you guys? Um, I think it's something that we have to plan out ahead of this week. Um, It's something that – we have to stay on top of throughout the entire week. Um, but it does, it can get a little stressful just because, you know, finals are stressful in themselves. Um, but I think our team does a good job of staying on top of it before finals week actually rolls around. So that's good. How much have, how much have you been able, and obviously it's a much different world from when Kaylee Clifton was the freshman to Kaylee Clifton, the junior, but how much has that experience helped in that balance? And how much do you as a team share with each other tips, ideas, thoughts to make sure that you are ahead of the game whenever it comes to finals week? Um, a ton. I know even my freshman year, um, the upperclassmen, like they talked about finals week and they just they just help you with everything, whether it's school or softball. Um, so I know me as a junior, I kind of, you know, know what to expect and know how to plan ahead just a little bit more. Um, and the freshmen have come to us and asked us about it and we just kind of, you know, tell them the truth and let them know how it is and, you know, kind of help them through that. It can be a challenge. Kaylee Clifton is hanging out with us. All right, I want to talk about your team. I want to talk about this grind, but I want to talk about you and your family first. It was Every year I feel like I get to know someone new with the Kaylee Clifton <laughs> clan, and this year it was Bailey and Brinley. So you got to tell me just how fun it is to see this bubbly, what, four-year-old that's just running around the concourse having the time of her life. How cool <laughs> is it to be able to have one of your best friends and her kid that's become just so embraced by this team? Um, it's honestly like the best thing. Um, Bailey has season tickets, even though I could probably put her on my pass list. She (laughs) wanted to go ahead and buy season tickets, which is awesome. Bailey's been my best friend since we were like Brinley's age. So we've been best friends. We grew up together, um, went to school together our entire lives. We just have been really close our entire lives. So it's cool for her to still be in my life. Even after, um, high school, I know she'll always be in my life. And Brindley just brings such a fun and positive um, light to all of us. My teammates love her. Um, They love their entire family. It's just really fun. And uh, I've got to hear her be the junior PA announcer a few times. My name, (laughs) she has not got to announce my name, I've noticed. (laughs) But she has got to be the junior PA announcer, and it's really cool. Um, I know she loves it. She talks about us all the time. So oh, that's fun. awesome. And then, and by the way, she nailed Fale Palima. You know, when it, it's yeah. amazing. Brindley's doing the PA, and she nails Fale Palima. I thought that was the absolute best. Yes. And then in that, your, your mom's always been there. Your, your, your family's always been a part of that. And I, I, I won't give away too much here, but I think CeCe might be the most superstitious player on the team. <laughs> but with that said, it's important for you to know that your mom's in the stands, and it's got to be pretty special to see that kind of support every single day. Absolutely. Um, I, I totally agree. Um, obviously I think I have a little bit of a bonus being an Oklahoma kid. My mom gets to come to a lot more games. Um, but it's, it's so nice to look up into the stands and know my mom's there and just supporting me. She's, you know, my family always supports me and it's just, 
it, I don't know. It's nice. It's nice to know she's always there. And then all the families have taken it, I don't want to say personally, but have taken on the challenge to help bring that energy inside the stadium to another level. You know, we had Leon last week, and we were joking about her mom in the grandstands, and one of her friends was out in the outfield getting the Boomer mm-hmm. Sooner chant going. You guys mm-hmm. have come out of the dugout to get the crowd more involved. Um, what what kind of led to that? Is that just trying to find that energy level and making sure the crowd knows that you're in it right there with them? Yeah, it's kind of um, just trying to, because, I mean, our game sometimes, you know, we're not doing everything that we want to be doing. The fans can kind of check out, not really enjoy it anymore. (laughs) So we're just kind of making sure that, you know, the fans are having fun as much as we are. So um, song comes on, we want to go out there and, you know, (laughs) let them have fun at our games because that's what it's about. Our games are supposed to be fun. So we want our fans to have fun while they're there too. So it's just engaging them and keeping it, keeping it fun. It was it was interesting. I was I just I was talking to JT and we were laying out how I feel like the best of this team is still to come. But I don't know how much better you guys can get defensively, CC. And I know that's something that that Coach Patty ingrains. That's her big deal. But what was that challenge like for you? You were a natural shortstop. You grew up playing shortstop. But you've been a second baseman since basically day one. You stepped on campus. What was that adjustment like for you to go back to shortstop for a couple of games? And then how nice was it to get back and have Kelsey over the weekend yeah it was a little different um whatever I heard I was gonna be playing shortstop I was like uh where's Kelsey (laughs) um because it's just kind of you know like you said from day one I've been a second baseman here at OU but my entire life growing up I was a shortstop so it wasn't a huge change for me it's still something that's pretty comfortable for me um and also because I still have to practice there and practice from time to time whether it's because we're scrimmaging and Kelsey's on the other team or something like that. So it's not something that I was just like completely out of my comfort zone. But um, it was fun to be back at shortstop and play there a few games. But it was even better to have Kelsey back on the field. Um, I think we all miss Kelsey a little bit. You know, she's just she's just a solid person and a solid player. So it's good to have her back on the field. And she looks like she's back to 100%. Cece, you seem real comfortable at the plate. You've always done a good job of working counts. You've been incredible in getting on base regardless of what happens. I know there's going to be ups and downs, but how are you feeling in the batter's box right now? Because it really seemed as if you had found another level this weekend against Oklahoma State. Um, Yeah, this weekend against Oklahoma State, I just felt pretty comfortable at the plate and pretty confident in myself. Like you said, like, Throughout the season, obviously, it's a long season. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of different adversities that you go through. So um, ups and downs, they're going to happen, you know. But um, this weekend, I just, I don't know, I just was having fun, and my team was having fun, and uh, we were just locked in and confident, and um, I was getting the results I wanted, so. It was a fun time. <laughs> a lot of people know you have a great relation with uh, Sid Romero. I don't know if you – I'm sure you've had a chance. You've lived the relationship that she's had with uh, Kelsey's family and everything that they've been through. But I, I think maybe I ask you just so people know, it's not an act. It's not something that's done because no. she's in the public eye. Sid is legit one of the most genuine pers- people on the planet. And no, by the way, she's a really good softball player too. Absolutely. Um, you know – I I hope people don't think that it's it's an act because that's absolutely 100% not what Sid is about. She mm. I mean I know she you know she has a lot of followers she has like but it's absolutely nothing about that. Sid has 
the kindness heart of like anyone I know. She she's all about character and all about like how you present yourself and how you you know it's way it's way more than that. And so she's been able to um, reach out to the, uh, Kelsey's family and um, you know just kind of be a light for them in a really tough situation. And it's not for anyone other than you know her and that family. So it's been really cool to see that because she's gotten to become really close with them, and I know they enjoy it just as much. So it's really cool. It's actually really inspirational. And, and, and let me be clear. I'm not saying that anyone says that. I'm just thinking sometimes people might say there's no way a person can yeah. be that. And, and that's absolutely true. She really is. All right. For those that don't know, and, and Kelly, I know you know this because I bring it up quite a bit. Kelly Clifton is my daughter, Emma Plank's favorite softball player. I honestly think that you're the main reason why she's actually, and the key word here is trying, trying to play softball. So I, I, I told her when I was dropping her off to school that, I, that she was allowed to ask one question. And so here's what she wanted me to ask you. How do you get hit by so many pitches and not get hurt? I don't know how she knew how many HBPs you had, but she did. But, Cece, there's an art to it. You've developed that art. How have you been able to stay healthy through it? Um, I, I Honestly, I've been getting hit a lot before I even got to college. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. Um, I remember one time in a tournament, I got hit 11 times, and just my entire left side from from my thigh up to my back and my arm was just covered in bruises. Um, I don't know. It's as far as getting hurt, the bruises don't hurt that bad. Cause I mean, it's a free base, you know what I mean? Right. right. Um, and it's not like I'm searching to get hit. I'm like, I'm not trying to get hit, <laughs> but it's one of those things. Like you'll see some people move out of the way. And I think I just kind of have a heavy front foot. So once my front foot gets down, there's no moving for me. <laughs> I just got to have to turn with it. So oh. That's awesome. Hey, and, and then real quick before I let you go, I think that there's been, and again, I'm I, in a lot. I'm just a fan in a lot of instances, and so I'm crazy. I want to yell at umpires like everyone else, but I think sometimes that strike zone has been very subjective this season. You have an incredible eye. At, at times, I see players get frustrated with the way the zone is called. How do you balance understanding and your knowledge of the strike zone and what you consider a strike with how it's called? How is that adjustment? How challenging can that be to not get frustrating whenever you feel like the calls aren't necessarily going the way in which the strike zone should be? Um, <laughs> I feel like that's definitely something that um, the past like month or so, our, this team has had to and myself especially, um, has had to adjust to. Um, JT's even talked to us about it. Because, um, you know, we do have, like, a good sense of what our strike zone should be and what we think it is. Because, you know, that's how that's how we have, you know, more – we have, like, walks, you know. That's how we yeah. – you know, we kind of pride ourselves on, you know, a good eye but being patient but also being aggressive. So um, we have had to adjust to the umpire strike zone a little bit. And, you know, just open it up because, I mean, we can hit tougher pitches hard, but we like to, you know, zone it in as tight as we can. But for some umpires, it's not the case, and they open it up just a little bit more. So we have to be able to make in-game adjustments to the umpire strike zone, whether we like to or not. But, you know, we're able to hit those pitches. We just have, like, our eyes have been trained to lay off those pitches. You know what I mean? Absolutely. so it's just a little bit of a uh, adjustment, but we figure that out from the first inning normally, um, and just gotta adjust to it. You know, sometimes, and I'll probably ring ring you up on a 
dad call and he'll know he does, you know, he know he will, but, um, it's just part of it, but we just got to try to take that out of the umpire's hands and do something before it gets to that count, hopefully. All right, thanks to CC for joining us, Kaylee Clifton, and as we get set for OU and Texas, 2 o'clock later today, Friday, later this evening, OU and Iowa State, JT Gasso joins us. JT, what's finals week been like for you? Is it is it tough to prepare for a game and also be worrying about what your players are going through? Yeah, I, I know for me it's been – Pretty easy. I don't have finals, so you know you. <laughs> so you ask, you know, how's it going? I mean, it's pretty easy. I don't have finals. I, I, uh, uh, we we have video and and the scouts. We already face the people we're gonna play. So it's for me, it's pretty easy. But you know, it's the for the for the girls' time management. Time management is is big, and uh, I know they once they you you can tell. Who has a final and who's done with the final? Because <laughs> the people who have a final go into practice like, okay, you know, you know, like it's it's just on their mind. And the ones who are done are free and loose, and they got they got it all figured out. So uh, I just I know they're ready to uh, they're going to attack those and uh, and uh, just we're, we're ready for postseason. So let's get these finals done, ace them, and let's go. How much changes in your scout? from what you saw during the regular season to what you prepare for in the postseason, JT? Uh, I, I know for big, for big 12 tournament, uh, you, you kind of have to go look, look and see what they did to you, uh, how they attacked the hitters and, uh, and just kind of come up with a couple different game plans just in case, um, you know, what you think is going to happen doesn't happen. So, uh, in that aspect, I think it's it's kind of exciting because you can kind of give a different look, uh, but kind of you know predict what's going to happen. But I know once regionals and supers and World Series, it's it's a whirlwind. It's crazy because you know we don't know who we're going to play. So just being ready to have have all that uh, you know those game plans go on the on the fly and and develop those. You get, and it's a quick turnaround. So. Once you get done with one team, you got to be prepared for uh, who's next, and it's it's crazy. That's that's the best way I can explain it. I understand, and I get that every every opponent, the next opponent is the most important opponent. Maybe is a better way to put it. But how much of this week too is you and coach and coach Lombardi having to kind of plan for what the regional might look like? Again, I know JT, you're not looking past anyone in the Big Twelve, but can you start scouting a little bit on teams you think? might be coming to Norman? Uh, I mean, you could, but we, we don't because exactly what you said, you know, we're trying to focus on the big 12 tournament. Uh, but also too, as much as we think who you would get, um, it doesn't always necessarily happen, you know? So, right. uh, I know like a couple of years ago, it was, uh, Ole Miss, Wichita state us. And I don't remember who the other team was, but, Last year was more of like a region, like all those teams were in our region except for North Dakota State. So you you really never know what's going to happen, who's going to go where. Um, so as much as we would like to, we we just literally can't because um, you know we got what's in front of us and uh, you just never know what's going to happen beyond this weekend. So that was uh, yeah. Who was that other team? There was Wichita State. There was Ole Miss and Bryant. Bryant. That's right. Bryant. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good, good memory on JT Gasso. <laughs>
Uh, how – it's so interesting because the game that I guess pundits play is because Shea's injured, she's not performing – or not 100%. I don't want to say injured, not 100%. Not performing as well. But, JT, it's not as if her average is down. Her power numbers are down a little bit. But Shea's been hitting the ball real well, and – it appears as if over the last couple of weeks you've really seen her getting more comfortable, being more relaxed in the box. Have you seen that from Shea, or is that just my mind playing tricks on me right now? No, it's. Uh, I, I think you're kind of hitting it on the head. I think this early on in the season, uh, it wasn't necessarily a struggle uh, because you know she was still hitting really well. Um, it was just the fact that she was sitting out games and the fact that the, the ball wasn't going over the fence or hitting the fence. So <laughs> right. uh, I, I want to say her Big 12 numbers uh, were really good. I can't remember exactly uh, power number-wise, but I know from the from the half, from the midpoint of the season, including conference, she's been really stroking the ball well. I know, I, I want to say, oh, man, home run-wise, she probably has – Close to five. Four, she has five, five, maybe five home, home runs. runs in conference. Five home runs, sixteen RBIs in conference play. And then you include the home run against um, Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yeah. And then you know, and and so what's what's pretty cool is you see the ball trout like the, the scoreboard shots, the like the close to three hundred foot bombs. Those that's kind of more normal, Shay. So she's really kind of getting back into. Uh, the groove of things and getting comfortable. And, and I think what coach is doing real well in our athletic training staff is really managing her knee so she can perform and not have to waste reps or waste that energy kind of in, in practice when we don't need to. So JT, we run out of words sometimes whenever we try to talk about the consistency of Sid Romero. You know, again, it's crazy. You see her hitting 386 in conference, and then her season average at one point was at 500 and has been around 460 all year long. Moved her up to the leadoff spot. She seems very comfortable there. Just, I mean, I, I run out of words to describe just her consistency and how good she truly has been at the plate this year. Yeah, and, you know, in, in conference, I can't remember a strikeout that she had. So I think what what's happening is she was just missing balls. And there was a lot of times where she would come back from the dugout and just say, oh, I just missed. So the fact that, you know, that is where her numbers, I guess you would say, were, would go down is the fact that she's just missing is the, that's pretty, um, uh, I guess, comforting because you know – she, if she's just missing, then her next at bat, she's going to have a lot of confidence into just boom. Okay, I'm right. good. I'm good. And I think of the you know perfect example would probably be the Texas series, where she had a couple balls that she just missed, and she hits that grand slam uh, in game one, game two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all blend together, but they all run yeah, together. <laughs> he, it, the, I think the approach, the thing that makes her so good is the approach is always consistent and. Uh, if she does get out, it's because she just missed. It wasn't because of a pitch was dirty or, or pitchers overwhelming her or whatever. It's just because she uh, will just miss a ball, and that's that's big time because I don't. I honestly don't think there's a lot of pitchers in the country who can consistently get her out. So, 
One of the players that it's been fun to watch find another level this year, and you have rewarded her with, uh, I think, starts the last three or four games, has been Reagan Rogers, JT. And, I mean, I, I, I still love the game when she hit a home run against Iowa State. She's come close to hitting a couple of them, almost knocked one out in Fullerton. But what's been the biggest key to Reagan's improvement this year, and what's been the biggest key to giving her more opportunities? Well, I just think strength-wise, she really took it upon herself to get strong. And uh, over the pa- over the summer and the winter break, she just transformed herself into where now her misses are still base hit. And so she does a really good job of staying in the mindset of competing, and she's never satisfied. And, um, you know, she gets a base hit, and she'll come back and, like, you know what, I was just a little bit early. I can be better, but I'll take it. You know, so she's <laughs> – She's just really uh, understanding how to hit the ball hard. She comes in with the game plan, and she can execute it. And I think that's that's the most, most important part is when you come in with the game plan and you have enough confidence to execute it, and you don't have to think about mechanically, where's this, where's that. So, the, you know, to me, I think putting in the time in the cage and co- kind of putting in the time on her own uh, allows her to just go out and compete, and she doesn't have to think about, you know, where's – uh, my low, where's my timing, where's this, where's that. So she uh, she's done a really good job of working hard to where now those mechanical things are automatic and she can just compete. All right, so this is going to be one of those questions that you'll probably make fun of me for asking, but I always try to educate okay. myself. It's like all okay. of them, isn't it? Um, what's the biggest key to in-game adjustments? And I know you're constantly working, your mind's constantly working, and I know that it's different for every single individual hitter. But, JT, whenever you talk about in-game adjustments, what's the biggest key, maybe what's the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge, the biggest key is to not keep not doing what you keep doing wrong, <laughs> I guess. But, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's, if, uh, it, it sometimes can be easy as – you know, we're rolling over. You roll over, roll over. Okay, well, stop rolling over. How about that? <laughs> you know, so that can that can be – that sometimes is how easy a in-game adjustment can be. And I think a big key is not to overwhelm yourself with it to the sense of where you lose everything. You want to be comfortable within – to me, I would say, um, you know, from the offensive side, you want to be comfortable enough with your own swing to where um, you can – you can combat what the pitcher's doing to you. So if everyone's rolling over, how can you not roll over? And I just I keep using that example, but I think that's sometimes you see the biggest one is people being early, roll over, roll over, ground ball, ground ball. Okay, so let's not do that. Let's hit a fly ball, see what happens. So um, I, I just think not doing the same thing over and over again and just kind of recognizing what's causing you to do that and then doing something different. It's like that whole that old saying, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect different results, right? Yep, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I answered my own question, JT. I should yep. do this thing. Um, all right, so your excitement level heading into the Big 12 right now. I mean, I know this is one of those kind of crutchy, crutch questions from sports radio guys, but how do you feel about where this team is, finishing regular season undefeated, the way they responded to the Thursday in Eugene is one that really stands out to me, JT. It really seems as if they kind of took that upon themselves to find another level since then. Yeah, and I, I think you just kind of hit it on the head. We're just finding ways to take it to that next level. And, 
you know, it, it's all when you think of all facets, pitching wise, you you might not have seen uh, Page. I think of Paige Parker not having necessarily her best game against Texas, but then coming back against Oklahoma State and throwing a no hitter. Yeah. And you see defensively, you see some things where you know we may not have done this or done that, and then we come back and, and we're strong offensively. I think we hit like 190 against Texas that series, and then but our sucking percentage was in the 400s, I think, as a team. Mm-hmm. But then you see us come back against Oklahoma State and uh, and do some things different. So I would think, uh, you know, from my side offensively, I would say we haven't really even peaked yet. So that's, for me, what's pretty exciting is seeing how we can continue to get better. And, uh, you know, our, we, we watched video uh, yesterday, and it's just like, hey, how can, we, how can we give a different look? What can we do different? So it was uh, – it's kind of cool to see them in that constant uh, learning mindset and not just mm-hmm. getting content with, okay, you know, we did this, we did that. Let's, how can we get better? So to me, that's the part that's exciting is this team wanting to get better at this point in the season and wanting to reach that peak. I, I say that a lot. Toby kind of laughs at me, but I feel like even despite the record, just three losses, 18 and 0 in conference play, JT, I feel like this team's best is still to come and that's not a knock that just and that's not to say that we've we listen to me you guys have ever played poorly it's just jt i feel like the best this team has to offer is still yet to come no i i agree i agree and uh you know we can dissect as much as we want uh on on video and and say we're doing this doing that but i i just think the if if our goal is you know we talk championship mindset and the goal is to get better every day so if we're trying to get better every day, then we don't we don't want to settle. So I think you're right in in the fact that we can do we can be better. I think uh, you know defensively, if you would tell if you would ask coach, since she has her hands on that, that's probably our best uh, asset we have. So how can we how can we get better on defense? I I don't know. Uh, we, we're already, that's that's pretty good. But I know uh, you know with Coach Lombardi and and the pitchers, they're always. Uh, studying and and knowing, trying to figure out what they can do better. I know offensively, we uh, it's always a new challenge when you're facing a new pitcher or facing someone for the second time. So, uh, I think for us, kind of like what you're saying, is you know the best is yet to come. Real quick, how's Grace doing? She's good. She's just hanging out, just sleeps, eats, poops all day. So <laughs> she's just living her best life right now. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, have a great week getting ready for Friday. Doubleheader action should be fun, and I'll see you in Oklahoma City Friday afternoon. Thanks for the time, JT. Thanks for having me, Plank. See you. JT Gasso. Two great people, Kaylee Clifton, JT Gasso. Appreciate them taking time to join us on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Well, it's been an up-and-down season, a challenging ride for the OU men's tennis team. We caught up with Nick Kroll just a couple minutes ago, started by asking Coach about the resilience of this team and getting ready for the postseason. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that go into hosting. Um, we've got a great staff here at the University of Oklahoma, and they make my life really easy in terms of getting things ready. Uh, Michael Byrne, uh, the events management staff here, they basically they're they're making my life easy, taking care of all the officials and the and all the other teams coming in and making sure everyone has practice courts and that stuff. So it really frees me up to, uh, you know, focus on our team and, and try to really prepare our guys physically, mentally uh, to get ready to play Utah here here on Friday. But, you know, two weeks is a long time for us. 
Um, I think we had one other time during the season where we had a two-week break. And, you know, I think you get a little bit, you know, you're itching, you're ready to go, and, and our guys are our guys are ready. And, you know, you get in that groove of playing every week, every three or four days, and then you have two weeks off, and we're also in the middle of finals. So, you know, you're trying to keep the keep it fun and keep it light, but also try to get a little bit better each and every day. Keep it fun, keep it light, finals going on, but also while finals are going on, it's the biggest part mm-hmm. of the season. So you lobby, it's not your first rodeo when it comes to this, but how big of a challenge can that be from the perspective of not I, – I talk about this a lot with softball, Coach, and obviously you're in that mm-hmm. same season, but you're in the middle of getting set for a run at a championship, but it's also sometimes the most challenging time for a student. How tough is that balance? It is. It's really tough. I mean, these guys are, you know, they're trying to make their grades here and and finish strong. And you know, we we talk about that all the time about academics and doing well. And so, you know, and, and at the same time, they want to finish the tennis season really strong. And so, there's a balance that comes along. And you know, you know, we've had to give some guys off a little bit of practice, um, take some guys individually some when we need to. Um, you know, almost we. I think last last week we probably pushed harder than this week because this week they're actually in the middle of finals and some of our guys had three or four finals, um, you know, 8 a.m. finals, studying late. And, you know, we're, we're talking about just take care of the little things, uh, try to get enough sleep, you know, try to eat, try to hydrate, and, and then, you know, do the best you can. And then, you know, as soon as you're done, you'll feel a lot better. And, and I think, you know, most of our guys have finished now. I think maybe a couple more finals today. But, you know, there's going to be like a, a weight lifted off their shoulders once they – take that last final and they'll feel a lot more a lot more free can you just describe to us what it means to have a facility like the headington tennis complex because in our headington family tennis center i guess i should say mm-hmm. because yeah. you're able to host it obviously i would imagine is key in recruiting but can you even begin to put into words what a difference this facility has made for you I mean, you know, from day one when I walked in here, I, walk, I walked in that indoor facility, and then, you know, you look up, you see the banners, you see uh, one of the nicest indoor facilities in the country, and then you walk right out the back, and, and you've got 12 outdoor courts. And I think that's one of the things that makes our facility so great is everything's together, the indoor courts, the outdoor courts. A lot of facilities around the country, you know, they may have to drive to the to the indoors or you know, they're off campus just a little bit, but our, everything for us is right there with close proximity to the dorms, to classes, um, you know, to the workout facilities. And, you know, when you bring recruits in, that's, that's a huge thing for them is like knowing where they're going to play for four years and envisioning themselves uh, in that kind of environment. But no, I think it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, I think we're, we're extremely excited to have those facilities. Take me through the field. You get uh, Utah, on Friday, Georgia, Minnesota scoring off. What do we know about the mm-hmm. group of teams that's coming here? Utah uh, is is a very strong team from the Pac-12. They had some really good wins this year. Uh, the Pac-12 is really tough. Um, so they, you know, they've played against the USC's, the UCLA's, the Stanford's uh, all season long. So they're 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 accustomed to playing good teams and and strong programs. So I think for them, you know. They're they're used to the level, and and so for us, we've got to really be come out ready to play those guys. Uh, energy's got to be high. Uh, we've got to execute at a high level, and we we know that going in. We 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 thought Utah was a really good team, and it's a tough it's a tough first round 
for for a regional and and uh, but we're you know we're excited to play those guys and you know I think that'll that'll help us get get even ready even more ready for the second round as long as we can get through there. What's the uh... Well, we've talked about the challenges, but this team has consistently overcome challenges all season long, Nick, from the injury to Spencer. And I know you battled a few uh, nicks and cuts throughout the season, but this is a pretty battle-tested team. How impressed have you been with the way that this squad has persevered? Well, you know, from day one in December when when Spencer tore his ACL, you know, we lost our number one guy and, and, you know, we talked about it once in the locker room. Said, "Okay, you know, we're gonna we got to move forward with what we've got, and and everyone's got to step up." And they they really did a good job early on of of embracing that. And you know, we fought through some tough times there, and and we got we got better in February. Our guys really worked hard. We only had three matches in February. We put in a lot of work, and and then uh, it paid off. We went and beat Texas A and M um, when they were four in the country, and um, you know, I think we built off of that momentum a little bit, and then. We had another injury. Our number five player, Yelhan Birch, got injured, and he's only played one match since. And and before his injury, he was nine and one. So what wow. it's really kind of shown shown our team is we've been down two guys uh, for most of the season, and and uh, our depth has shown through. Um, everybody's been able to step up and and play higher in the lineup, and you know I think that's only going to make us stronger as we move forward uh, in our program too. What does it say about Alex Bakshi that he was able to Mm -hmm. earn a bid to the individuals? And I know that's not a distraction by any stretch of the imagination, but it's got to be a pretty good verification of where he is as an individual talent right now. Alex Bakshi is one of the most talented guys in the country. He, he had a, he, he transferred here from Texas A&M and he had a nice career over there. Um, And we were, we were fortunate to, to get in with him and, and, you know, he was playing middle of the lineup over there, but I knew he was a top-level guy, and he needed to, he just needed to be have that opportunity. And, you know, he's taken his opportunity. I think he's 14 or 15-2, and two and, um, you know, he made the tournament. And I think he's, he's actually one of the hottest players in the country right now. But, you know, he's one of those guys, like I said, who stepped up when his opportunity came, and um, he's kind of run with it. And, you know, we're, we're really excited to see what he can do here at the end of the year. I know this is kind of a captain obvious question, but I want to wrap up with this, Nick, because, you know, there's there's not a lot on campus this week. So there's an opportunity to get out as you've wrapped up finals for students as maybe, you know, you're getting set for a Sunday of spoiling mom. There's a great opportunity to truly get out and support this team. What kind of what kind of a difference can a crowd make? Can a big crowd make at an event like this? Oh, it makes a huge difference. Um, an example I would give is when we beat Baylor four or five weeks ago at home. We had about 650, 700 people, uh, and we actually played that match indoor. And I think it was one of the biggest crowds they've ever had here for OU tennis. And our guys were our guys were super motivated. The energy level uh, really spurred them on through the tough times. And you know, I think for us, uh, you know, getting through Friday and getting through Saturday. You know, we're going to have we're going to have some really tough matches, but the bigger the crowd, uh, it just brings that energy, and we we hope to get so many people out. And and you know, at in college tennis, you can be loud, so yeah. you know, come out and cheer, and you don't you don't have to sit and, and be quiet. You can you can yell for the Sooners. Great stuff from the Sooner tennis head coach Nick Kroll. Like I said, not a lot on campus this weekend. You're done with classes. Finals are over. Get out and celebrate some men's tennis as they try to take the next step. Thanks to Nick Kroll. 
Thanks to JT Gasso. Thanks to Kaylee Clifton. Everyone have a great weekend. And until Tuesday, when Toby Rowland will join us to recap the OU baseball trip to Orlando for their showdown with UCF. I'm Chris Plank saying you have a great week. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Yeah.